together for another fun episode of Chimp Chat and Chill, everybody. Yeah! <laughs> uh, so we got Nick Duarte, Drew Grubich, Mike Clark, and Margot Barrera calling in all the way from Burning Burbank area of LA, California. Are you, you're not anywhere yeah, near I, those fires, right? No. No, I'm not, but I can actually still see the smoke. Can you so. smell it? Yeah. Uh, it's way hotter, actually. Yikes. All right. So, Chat and Chill, what's this podcast about, Director Nick? Uh, it's about chimping and chatting and chilling with your friends. <laughs> as long as you are a filmmaker of some sort, right? Yeah, I think the, the idea, you know, what we're trying to do is talk about some stuff that we think is interesting, that we think the people that follow us uh, would find interesting. I mean, it's a little more geared towards people who are in film and who are starting their careers and maybe have some questions about some stuff. And we might have some answers about some of that stuff. Cute. Hey, Margo. How would you describe Crown Chimp? Or am I putting you on the spot? Good definition. Hey, Drew, uh, did you find that porn that you were looking for on your phone? I did not yet. That sucks. So the subject today is going to be coming up with story ideas. Um, this is a good subject, Nick. If I do say so myself, I think I came up with it probably. You did a nice job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sub Sub-subject will be what makes people care about a movie because... Clearly, you can come up with a story that you really like, but then you actually have to make sure people want to watch it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, a pretty strong stance you're taking. <laughs> I would say that, you know, I have a kind of a hard time with that um, in my what I'm writing because I have to remember the characters need to be likable and people that an audience can empathize with. Putting heart and human, you know. Yeah. I, I run into this issue on like the stuff I do on my own and then also mm -hmm. the stuff that me and Drew write together. And we actually just talked about it earlier this week. I think we're, mm -hmm. there's a, there's sometimes a void between the things that we like to write and we like to make and the things that we like to watch. And I think we get, um, I don't know, trying to find where in that Venn diagram uh, is something that you like to make and something you like to watch. That's probably the stuff you should really focus in on. Drew, as a sociopath, do you think it's difficult to find the empathetic characters in a screenplay? I actually think it's way easier to create empathetic characters because I know what that looks like on the outside. I know how people behave with empathy, and I'm not 
skewed or biased because I don't actually possess the empathy of a human. So, <laughs> so I can, I can write, it's kind of like, um, doing a nature documentary, but you're, you're from the city. If you lived out in nature, it'd be very much different because you would be skewed by it being your surrounding. That's kind of how I am with emotions. Mm-hmm. Being, I'm like a real sociopath. Being completely dead inside <laughs> and emotionally just just abjectly just destroyed has really helped my writing. That's good. I could see you can see it more black and white logical Absolutely. and uh, be able to just inject that in there. Margot, I would say, is on the opposite <laughs> spectrum of of lacking empathy. She has a lot of empathy. Just for the record, though, they're both on the spectrum. Okay. Of some kind. I'll, I'll accept that. So, Margot, you you are writing currently, um, and can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you incorporate uh, empathy and how do you come up with your story ideas? I mean, well, for me, the yeah. story that I'm writing right now as cliche as it sounds, like, write what you know. I'm writing something that's, you know, super based on experiences that I've had. Uh-huh. Um, but there are times where I decide to just write something that is completely different from, you know, who I am or what my experiences are just to step away from that comfort zone. Um, I guess creating empathy and characters, I don't know. Maybe that's just who I am. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I'm super empathetic, but, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I, I try to, I don't know. I guess it's, it is what I know. So that's what I write about. Yeah, so you already have the emotion kind of built in. Uh, let's kind of talk more about how we come up with story ideas. Nick, if you are just starting from scratch and you're like, I feel like writing today. What's your process or what do you, what do you typically find yourself doing when you're thinking about ideas for story? Um, I actually, I don't, I know like there's the cliche of a writer looking at like a blank page and the cursor and not knowing what to do. Um, and I'm not saying like I'm an amazing writer, but I don't run into that problem because I think my process and I think a lot of people probably have a similar process is just I'm collecting ideas. And so, you know, something hits my brain a certain way, whether it's a thing I read or a dream or a conversation or whatever, I just make a note of it. Um, and then I continue to collect those notes over time. So by the time I actually sit down and like physically write something, I've probably already been sitting on it for a couple of years, like almost everything that I've ever done outside of, you know, when we have like commercial work and we're on like a, a deadline, everything else has come from here's been, you know, years of it marinating or here's some loose nuggets and then I can pass on to, um, you know, Drew if we're co-writing it together and say, hey, this is a thing that I've been thinking about and then that brings in another experience and then we both kind of start tag teaming or vice versa. Uh, so I think, you know, the more you can lift that pressure off of yourself of saying I have to write something right now and more so be, um just kind of present and mindful and in a state of being that you're always writing and you're always collecting from something and you, you don't know where those things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that helps greatly. This is one of the big reasons why Nick and I, I think write well together is I'm, I'm 
not opposite, but very different in that I don't, I don't have writer's block anymore because I'm not afraid to make garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, like I prolifically can make garbage and that's okay. And kind of giving myself permission for stuff to just suck. And it, for a couple of years, I would write a thousand words a day, no matter what, mm-hmm. just, and it, it resulted in, you know, 90% shit, but that's also, you know, 30,000 words that are good. Um, and 30,000 things that I can go back to, which I, I don't, I don't really do like Nick does, which, which I appreciate it and I respect it, but I kind of distrust that the good things will stick in my head and come out when I need them. Mm-hmm. So you already have kind of this big catalog just kind of there from all of the writing of ideas you can draw from. Yeah. And, and very, very frequently things will come up and I'll say, you know, oh, I, I have something that relates directly to that, or I've done something like that. And then I'll just, I'll just recreate it from, from the present. Um, and it's just being, I, I'm very reactionary to Nick. I think that's what works is that he has all these established ideas and, you know, my, my job is to kind of catalyst them. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you're like a, um, sketch in the term, like an artistic sketch, not like a sketch comedy or anything like that. But, you know, Drew has these metaphorical notebooks of just all of these loose sketches that you know that cool. he knows that he can point to when it comes time to, okay, here's a painting that we're trying to make. And he can say, oh, I totally sketched something that is really relevant to that thing. Let's build that up and make that good. If you can't tell me and me and Nick have our hands in each other's crotches right now. (laughs) (laughs) Metaphorically. And literally. literally. (laughs) We'll send you pics. I took, I took pics. They're, they're odd. Um, (laughs) I, I've been watching um, or listening to a lot of um, like film courage uh, stuff, you know, YouTube videos about uh, screenwriting. And there's been a few where they have a whole bunch of clips cut together of different writers and talking about how um, they just get their writing done and also writing partners, how they work together and how to deal with writer's block and deadlines and all those fun topics. Um, one writer, I, I really liked what he had to say. He, he said that, um, 80% of writing is that marinating process where you're like thinking about it, thinking about it, jotting down notes, doing research, reading books. It feels like procrastination. Um, but a lot of it is preparation. Sorry, can we hold on one second? I think this is our pizza. Oh yeah. The most important thing in life <laughs> is pizza. So <laughs> hold on, Margo. Take a break, Mike. (laughs) Are you recording now? Yeah. All right, we got our we got our pizza. Can this be like our intro music? (laughs) Are you actually? He is recording again. We can talk about pizza though. Nah, as I was saying, um, two hours ago, (laughs) we're talking about coming up with story ideas. Um, you were telling us uh, about you've been listening to yeah some uh, YouTube tutorial type things. No, they're not YouTube tutorial. They're just clips of different writers that all um, got interviewed about their writing process. 
But yeah, I was just talking about how a lot, 80% is kind of just letting ideas cultivate and doing research. And then 20% is actually writing. I've heard similar things like that. I know it depends on the person. Uh-huh. Um, Drew is more like prolific writer. He just writes it all out and then you can go back and craft it into stories. I think that I come up with stories kind of more similar to you, but I'm probably, um, you know, my deadlines are more loose for the most part, definitely more than you, yours are. So, um, I do give myself quite a bit of time to figure out the story first. And then I go in and I've been doing a thing where I outline it all to like three to four pages. And then ew, do you hear my stomach. And then I create a beat sheet. That's my beat sheet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How did you, I'm, I'm curious. Cause you really dived much more into writing over the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, I, I know like you've always done it, but like really aggressively. So over the last couple of years in terms of script writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what led you into your current process? I mean, was it a combination of talking to other people or just trial and error? process of where oh, like, well like you just said like you kind of coming up with an idea and then writing your sort of three to four page outline and then doing the beat sheets and so on gotcha so um <laughs> looking at youtube <laughs> there was one there was one particular writer that really i um his ideas resonated with me and i'm the type of person that needs to put everything like extremely organized first before i feel comfortable with actually doing the creative part. And that might be something that changes over time, which I would like it to because it's slow. It's a lot slower. Um, but I think that that's where I'm at now. Um, I've just kind of listened to what as many writers as I could, what their process was and the ones that made the most sense to me is what I decided to do. Gotcha. So yeah, the outline with the beat sheet. And then you actually take the beat sheet, which has all the scenes, like one sentence per scene, and then you fill in your whole script with that. So you ha- you can just go right into your script program, put all of those scenes in there, and then all you have to do is write them from there. Of course, things can change, and you'll see um, as you go along. You know, like it for me, that works way better than uh, doing an index card. Um, I know a lot of people like the index cards, but I'm not really a fan of of that. It doesn't doesn't help me, and I write too much shit on the on an index card. Um, so I need I need like. 3,000 index cards, you know, so <laughs> um, that's what works for me. But I think that, like, we should definitely do a podcast sometime just about rewriting and about writer's block. And about index cards. <laughs> There's an interesting term, and I haven't heard it out loud, so I'm probably going to slaughter it, but it's cacorhaphiophobia, hmm. and it's the, the crippling fear of failure. Hmm. And I feel... Uh, I feel like as a as a writer, you kind of have to have that. Yes. Or you would do something more public. <laughs> I'm just terrified of failing, so but I have to get this out. So I'll just go right in my little corner in my little laptop so where no one will see. Right. And then you get to my world like maybe people will see it and then you freak out again. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like a series of freaking the fuck out and like really, really second guessing yourself and really hating everything you do and then still doing it for some reason. Right. That's something else I heard recently um, in some YouTube was uh, that writers are attracted to failure. Mm. So I, I thought Snickers said that. 
I, I, is that I'm right? You did. He, Bodybuilders are attracted well, to said failure. About how he gets addicted to failure because <laughs> mm. that's where you actually learn and where you challenge yourself and how success is frustrating to him. Cool. Um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what that squeaky noise was, Margarito. Um, hey, Margo. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you about what you think about that quote that we were just talking about. Um, do you feel, do you have a fear of failure or do you find that it drives you when you're writing? I think, so I don't know if it's so much a fear of failure. It's just a fear of putting myself out there because mm-hmm. when I write, um, I typically write a lot more on like the poetry side of things. And yes, I've been writing a script now, but it's, that's the way that I have always been able to with anything that I've been going through like in my life ever since I was very young. It was either drawing or writing. And I always carried like this little notebook with me that had all my little, you know, scribbles in there. And so I don't know, I think it might be more so like a fear of really truly putting myself out there. And I stopped writing for a very long time and finally I decided to get back into it. and I just have to get back into it as, again, a way of coping with, like, what I was going through. And that's how I started writing my script um, for my show. And, um, oh, totally lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah. And then, um, I think I swear I have ADD. Um, and then I just kept writing and writing every day. And then what I decided to finally do was I entered one of my poems into a contest and the reason for it wasn't so I could try to win or anything it was just so I could get over that fear of someone reading my work and so I entered just a poetry contest just for that purpose and I think ever since then it like gave me more of a you know a sense of like because you're already okay like I can show other people my work and then I after that I think I started showing people my work and so yeah, I don't know if it's so much fear of failure, but fear of people knowing what I'm really... Yeah, vulnerable. And all that, Mario, is why you're a fantastic producer. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it definitely the root is fear. For you, it's being vulnerable. Um, you don't want people to see that who you really are through your art, and because people do. Um, failure, I could see, you know, like, you're not afraid that you'll never finish something. You're just afraid of the fact that you need to put it out there for people to read. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I've never, mine is definitely a fear of not finishing things. Um, you know, just not wanting to disappoint myself or team, but I don't really have a fear of sucking as much as I used to. Um, because I, I have gotten good feedback with writing since I was a kid, so I know I have abilities there. Um, but, you know, learning this, the new craft for me of screenwriting, it's been a little bit scary because there are different rules than just the kind of writing I was doing before. Well, I think um, it's like, you know, anything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is... There's very much a quality of you can hone the thing, you can hone the skill, you can get stronger, you can get better at it. 
the more you put yourself out there, the less you think about what other people are going to actually think of it. And the more it becomes a utilitist thing. You know, I think now I would imagine Drew maybe feels a similar way, but I feel like when we put our stuff out there for feedback, it's more like this is a vital step to the process of writing. We need to get outside view, outside uh, notes on what's working and what's not working. And it no longer becomes an issue of, is this good? Is this bad? Am I revealing too much of myself? Am I not revealing too much of myself? It's just, no, I care about making this thing as good as it possibly can be. This is a step to making it as good as it possibly can be. At some point, yes. you are raw and open and vulnerable and you don't get over that. You just realize that no one gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like no one that will judge you harshly or think poorly of you because we all are just garbage inside. We are just just horrible garbage and, and homicidal thoughts and fucked up stuff. And we all are that. Mm. And it's kind of nice. My to mom's see. nice. My mom's really nice too. Yeah. Well, they should date. Um, <laughs> but, it, but the moral is, <laughs> moral, um, you, you just stop caring because you realize other people don't and you just get over yourself. Like, just get over yourself and, and get out there. And if if you feel scared and vulnerable, good, do it, do it more. Yeah, I think there's definitely something solid to that, to the idea. If, if you're not feeling vulnerable after you wrote something, then you're not really writing anything interesting but also, I think the more you do it, the more it just becomes utility. And it's like, yeah, okay, I have to, you know, write something that's a little revealing mm -hmm. to make something that's specific and unique and that someone else would give a shit about. Sure. Yeah, for, for me, the vulnerability comes in with uh, comedy aspects because not mm -hmm. everyone will get the same kind of humor. Yeah. So I always have a lot of fear of just like, is this funny? Like, is, is anybody going to think it's funny? You know, I've got the other things down in terms of like structure and how to write, you know, script in a, hey, cool, in a uh, <laughs> proper format. But then the content of it, I'm mostly afraid of um, crafting something that's funny. Because, you know, like I said, it would be audience specific. Not everyone likes the same kind of humor, you know. Yeah. Like there, there's Mark Duplass, for instance, like their, him and Jay, their humor is really quirky. Um, but I think it's like some of the funniest shit out there. It's just like subtle and weird. Um, whereas more obvious stuff like um, Family Guy, I just I don't find it funny at all. I can sit and watch probably every single episode of Family Guy with a straight face and never laugh. You know, it's just not my thing. So subjectiveness. <laughs> I find yeah. everything funny. I find the crumbs all over your mustache funny. <laughs> you have funny. a lot of crumbs <laughs> in your beard yeah. right now. <laughs> all right. Um, let me just, uh, I want to ask Mike a question. Mike. 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 Um, Mike. What do you think? <laughs> It's so funny having Margot call in because Margot, you're just you're like a uh, you're just a can. You're a tin can on top of a Red Bull right now. <laughs> that's your entity. To be fair, that's whenever I look at Margot, that's normally what I see. I'm not great. Yeah, I'm not great with faces. I see her as a big cartoon ham, like when a when a wolf is really hungry in a Warner Brothers. Cartoon. You see everybody that way. Yeah. That's true. I see her as when Kramer is a Thanksgiving turkey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Mike, mm. I want to ask you, what makes people care about a movie? Low angles. 
<laughs> I'm never gonna like I'm never gonna let that down. Nope. You you love those lines from that particular podcast. Um well I mean, you know, as with any film I think that it's what you're looking at is the sum of all the parts, you know, you can't necessarily narrow down one particular thing and say that it makes someone care about that movie. Um I mean, there are things that are stronger elements that stand out, but they still all work together as one single entity, as the film. And so it's kind of hard to narrow down that type of specific element. But, I mean, for me, being a sound person, I'm going to say that... uh, Sound has a, a large part to play in bringing people into the world of the film due to the fact that without that dimension, without sound, you're looking at a, you know, a, a silent movie. And while that can take you to places and introduce things to you. It can't necessarily bring you in and make you feel, make you care about people, um, places or things. And so like hand in hand, the music, the sound effects, the dialogue, all that stuff works to add that extra level of realism and engage you in what is being presented on the screen. Okay. So that's a very sound guy answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like mean, that's basically, a really good answer. <laughs> basically, it's all about me, my department, and sound design. <laughs> well, like I said, I wish. I mean, you know, I wish I could say that, Point. but realistically, it's it's not. Uh, everyone, all the all the departments, everything that goes into making a film has some part to play in it. And if someone drops the ball, your movie is that that less powerful that less capable of drawing your audience in and making them care yeah as you say i mean i can definitely watch a silent film and get drawn into it but at the score if it didn't have a score yeah then it wouldn't give me any feelings of emotion but yeah i mean i think it's a good answer um my answer would be if i can relate to it somehow this if the story yeah. draws me in i um, think it comes sorry no it's a one at a time, people. <laughs> it's so weird. I can't see when someone's going to say something. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Margo. Um, no, I was going to say that I think most people are either going there to see a reflection of themselves, like uh, something that they're going through, or they're out there trying to relate in the sense that, like, what they wish they could be or what they wish they could have been. You know, like, I feel like life is filled with what if and that's what movies do for people mm-hmm. yeah so what, it's, it's a big what if you know what if Nick were to answer the question what would you say oh I, I think it, Mike really hit on something it comes back to personal experience that it's for each individual it's going to be a different yeah. thing um, and for him you know part of his sound but mm-hmm. even playing off of that that's that jumps back to emotion I mean nothing yeah triggers your emotions as quickly and as efficiently as music does. And it, yep. <laughs> uh-huh. I just felt happy for one I second. I feel angry now. 
Oh. So people are interested in stories if they show them how they wish they could see themselves or they show them how they are afraid of seeing themselves. Yeah. And well, sometimes they're just funny and silly. <laughs> I think it's the escapist medium. I mean, it, that's what film has always been, is to place you somewhere else, you know, uh, distract you from what is a reality. Life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but then again, sometimes it places you in a shitty, horrible situation, you know, with like Mad Max, perhaps, where you're in a situation... <laughs> That is absolutely uncomfortable and impossibly hard and stuff like that. Yet mm. we all find possibly hard, uncomfortable and impossibly hard. I am the mic clock. Super over this podcast. Oh. Yeah. Should we cut? Yeah. Oh, okay.